What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Larson. With this episode, it's going to be a little bit of everything. I'm going to give a quick rundown of a few things, starting off with Game 4 of the World Series, which was last night. I'll recap that game, then preview Game 5 for tonight. After that, I will touch on the Clippers' win from last night over Orlando. Before previewing tonight's game against the Los Angeles Lakers, following that, I will give a rundown of my top 50 plays in the NBA heading into the season. That was a list that I meant to break down before the season began, but I forgot because I was originally going to do all my predictions in one episode, and then midway through that episode, I said, oh wait, I'm going to split it up into two episodes, and then I ended up just keeping it all in one, and in doing so, I forgot to give a whole rundown of my top 50 plays heading into the year. So, I will do that at the end of the episode, but briefly, I'm going to start off with a quick recap of Game 4 from the World Series last night, which ended up being another big win for the Texas Rangers. The Rangers are just unreal on the road. They just find ways to win. They are now 10-0 on the road in the postseason, which is the best in MLB playoff history, which is obviously brilliant. They won 11-7 last night over the Diamondbacks. They got things going very early, scoring five runs in the second inning and five runs in the third. They were 10-0 after the first three innings. All 10 of those runs that they scored in the second and third innings came with two outs. They found a way to score 10 runs on two outs, which is very impressive. They've been hitting great with their backs against the wall and no outs to spare. They've found a way to put runs across the board with 10 last night in the first three innings with two outs. Corey Seager got things going as he always does in last night's game. He had a home run in the second inning, which right before that, Marcus Seaman hit a triple. In my preview of the game from yesterday, I said Marcus Seaman has to get going. And Simeon was great yesterday. Two for five, two runs scored. Five runs batted in and a home run with also a triple. And then Corey Seager was two for five with a home run, two runs batted in, and also a double. He now has a 442 on base percentage in the playoffs in an 1136 OPS. If you look at what his batting average is, it's 306. So he's been hitting great in the playoffs. Marcus Simeon's now at 211 for a batting average in the playoffs so far. Andrew Heaney was on the mound for the Rangers yesterday with five innings, giving up four hits, one run, three strikeouts, two walks, and 80 pitches. Joe Manaply got the start as an opener for the Diamondbacks yesterday, going one in a third innings, giving up one hit, one run, one strikeout, and one walk, 28 pitches. The Diamondbacks got their runs going later on in the game. They scored four runs in the bottom of the eighth and two in the bottom of the ninth. Cattell Mate had two hits. He was 2 for 5, now hitting 338 in the playoffs. Christian Walker hit very well yesterday. He was 3 for 5 with a run scored and a double. Even with those three hits, though, he's hitting only 2-11 in the playoffs. One home run, does have seven runs better than five stone bases, five doubles, but a 7.03 OPS. He's a guy that hit great for them in the regular season. Had a lot of power, obviously, but in the playoffs, hitting just 2-11. So they obviously needed more from him. In the regular season, he had 2.58. As for the Rangers, obviously I mentioned Seager and Simeon both showing up, but Josh Young was great. 3-5, two runs scored, and a double. And then the guy that replaced Adolis Garcia in the lineup was Travis Jankowski, and he was great. Two for four, two runs scored, two runs batted in, and a double in yesterday's game. He was great in the replacement of their best hitter in the playoffs, was Adolis Garcia, but Jankowski found a way to replace him yesterday and obviously had a lot of production hitting ninth in the lineup, but was two for four in yesterday's game. The Rangers' bullpen did get hit around in the later innings. Brock Burke, who actually just was put on the roster since Max Scherzer was out, he only just got one out, giving up three hits, three runs on 14 pitches. He got hit around. Chris Stratton got hit around as well. Gave up a home run, only recorded two outs. And then Will Smith, he struggled as well. He got two outs in yesterday's game, but gave up one hit, two earned runs, two strikeouts, and a walk on 18 pitches. The Rangers' bullpen does need to be better. That's been a weakness for them. But considering they scored 11 runs in yesterday's game, they're going to win most of the games to score 11 runs. 
After tonight's game, it is Zach Gallon on the mound for the Diamondbacks. He's 2-2 two two in the postseason with a 5.27 ERA and a 1.5 whip. Nate Evaldi is on the mound for the Rangers. He's 4-0 in 30.2 innings pitched this postseason with a 3.52 ERA and a 1.04 whip. Arizona's offense did get going in the later innings yesterday. We'll see if their bats can stay hot. As for the Rangers, they need to find a way to score early like they did, and they've been great with two outs. It's not going to be every single night, though, when you're getting 10 runs off of two outs. So you can't really expect them to do that every single night. But I do expect their offense to continue to put guys on base, and I expect them to still score runs. This offense has been unstoppable for a lot of the season when they're on, and that's why I picked them around May and June to be in the World Series because their lineup is great, and they obviously have a lot of pitching. And then they added even more at the deadline, getting Max Scherzer since Jacob deGrom went down, and then also adding Jordan Montgomery. So we'll see what they do in tonight's game. Corey Seager needs to stay hot. He's been basically Mr. October for this team. Corey Seager's been Mr. October. In 77 playoff games... He has 19 home runs in his career with 48 runs batted in. The real Mr. October, Reggie Jackson, 77 postseason games, 18 home runs, 48 RBIs. In the same amount of games, 77 apiece, Corey Seager has 19 home runs, Reggie Jackson has 18, and they both have 48 runs batted in. I saw that in a graphic from the MLB Today on Instagram, and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Corey Seager shows up when the lights are brightest and he's on the biggest stage. He does it all year long, but... When the playoffs come around, Corey Seager is playing his best. So I think tonight will be a good game. Zach Gallon on the mound, he obviously wants to try to extend the series. I think that's what the MLB wants. I don't think it wants to be a five-game quick series and the series is over. I think Arizona is going to win this game. I think it's going to be a little bit lower scoring than it was last night. Last night was 11-7. to I think Arizona wins this one 5-4. to As for the Clippers last night, they had a big win over the Orlando Magic. This was a game that the Clippers really start off very slow. If you look at their first half numbers, they were down 50-47 to at halftime. Which, if you look at the way they shot, just to be down three points was huge. If you look at the way they shot from the floor, just 33% from the floor at halftime, 4 of 13 from three, you would take a three-point deficit at halftime. They were 15 of 45 from the floor in the first half. Orlando started off cold as well, but they got better in the second quarter. They shot 13 of 21 from the floor in the second quarter, 62% overall. The Clippers with 11 of 23 in the second quarter, 48% overall. Most of their first half scoring came from Norman Powell drawing fouls, which he was great with that yesterday. He had 11 first half points in yesterday's game. And then Bones Highland had 7 points and Paul George had 10 points. PG was just 2 of 10 in the first half though. And then he really got things going in the second half. Paul George was electric in the third quarter, which Russell Westbrook was great as well. Paul George had 14 points in the third quarter. He was 5 of 6 from the floor, 4 of 5 from 3, 2 rebounds, 3 assists, and 14 points. And then if you look at Russell Westbrook in the third quarter, 7-9 from the floor, 2 rebounds, 3 assists, 3 steals, and 16 points. Paul George and Russell Westbrook had 30 combined points and were 12-15 from the floor in the third quarter, which flipped the game completely upside down and brought the Clippers back. There was 17-23 of the Clippers in the third quarter, shooting 74%. If you look at Orlando, there was 7-18 of in the third quarter at 39%. So luckily, PG and Russ got going, and that completely flipped the script for this Clippers team. And that's a big reason they won that game last night. Huge reason. The Clippers scored 41 points in the third quarter after scoring just 47 in the first half. And 30 of those 41 points came from Russell Westbrook and Paul George. They completely turned back time and they were back to their Oklahoma City days, which is obviously great to see. I was a big fan of them back then. And now I'm obviously psyched to see them doing it on the Clippers. In the second half, Paul George had 17 points. A lot of that coming in the third quarter. The same thing for Russell Westbrook, 16 points in the second half. A lot of that coming in the third quarter. He had three steals, four assists in the second half, and that's Russ. He was 7-9 from the floor in the second half. Bones Highwood was great in the second half, 4-9 of nine from the floor, 
Two of four from three with 10 points, also adding three assists and a steal. He was really good in last night's game. Yet again, another great game from Bones Highland. He has been great to start the season. Kobe Brown looked very good in the game, too. Very limited minutes for him in the first couple games of the season. But last night, he needed to get some minutes considering the Clippers are short-staffed. And he looked good overall. He crashed the boards very well, brought some energy, especially defensively. He had a block. He had seven points. Three rebounds and an assist. He was three of four from the floor and one of two from three. One thing that's been a problem for him is following. He did a four fouls in 19 minutes of yesterday's game. But it's good to see him get some minutes. The Clippers are going to need minutes from this season considering they're really short-staffed at the power forward position. Kawhi Leonard only had eight points in yesterday's game. He's 3-11 from the floor, 0-3 from three. Eight rebounds, three assists, two steals, and a turnover. There's not going to be many nights. Kawhi Leonard has eight points. And if you can win a game with Kawhi Leonard only having eight points, you win by 16, you'll take that any night. The Clippers won 118-102 to 102 and only had eight points from Kawhi Leonard. You'll take that any night. A big reason was that third quarter, the Clippers outscored the Orlando Magic 41-21 to 21 in that third quarter. 41-21. to 21. Which, that Magic team has a lot of good young defenders. Paul Boncaro did a four steals in last night's game, also at 15 points. Markel Fultz... Had 12 points, 5 rebounds, a steal, and an assist. Franz Wagner, very good defensively. Had 14 points and a block with 8 rebounds and 3 assists. And then Jalen Suggs, who had a very good game defensively. He's a very young and underrated defender. Had 11 points, 3 assists, 6 rebounds, a steal, and a block in yesterday's game. So my biggest takeaways from yesterday's game were Paul George and Russell Westbrook just went back to their Oklahoma City days, which is great to see. They took over the game in the third quarter, completely flipped the script. Russell Westbrook brought all the energy in the world, which he does every single night. It's nothing new. But Russell Westbrook's energy in that game and his hustle were both unmatched. It was contagious, and it really turned the tides for the Clippers. And then also Bones Highland looked great yet again. I think he continues to get minutes off the bench when James Harden plays because he deserves it. Bones Highland should be getting 20 to 25 minutes per night off the bench. He's looking like the sixth man of the year award winner right now which I know it's only a few games in the season, so there could be an overreaction to some people. But if you watch Bones Highland play, he is calm, cool, collected, and the talent is just natural. Bones Highland is an absolute baller. So shout out, Busy. What a trade that the Clippers had last year, trading just two second-round picks to get him at the deadline. And then also Russell Westbrook being a minimum contract player. I mean, that's two steals for the Clippers over the last year. Two of the best value deals in the NBA over the last season. Russell Westbrook on a minimum contract. And then Bones Highland being traded for two second-round picks. Those are absolute steals. Tonight, the Clippers will play the Lakers on a back-to-back. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard will both play tonight, which is huge to see. There will be no James Harden. It looks like his first game will be next Monday night against the Knicks. The Clippers have a great break before that game, though. They'll be off Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So they should be well-rested for the game next Monday night at Madison Square Garden. They will have P.J. Tucker tonight. They're facing the Lakers, which the Lakers did have an off night yesterday. So it does help them that they have a little bit of rest. The Clippers have dominated the Lakers, though, over the last few years. The Clippers have won 11 straight games versus the Lakers. And Kawhi Leonard didn't play in five of those games. Over the last five seasons, Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James have matched up 15 times. And Kawhi is 13-2 in those 15 games over the last five years, which is very impressive. The Lakers are 2-2 two two on the season. The Clippers are 3-1. It should be a great game. The Clippers are coming off a back-to-back, so they're going to have to rely on their bench. P.J. Tucker will be one of the most well-rested guys in this team, considering he didn't play last night like most of the teams. So we'll see what they look like. They do not have Terrence Mann. They do not have James Harden. And it looks like there'll be no Brandon Boston Jr. either. So the Clippers are going to have to rely on the guys they had last night and then also P.J. Tucker. But I do have confidence in this team. I think it'll be a great game. I think if they can get the same energy that they had in the third quarter from Paul George and Russell Westbrook, they're going to be hard to stop. And wait until they add James Harden to this lineup. Wait until they add James Harden. When they add James Harden, any cold night for Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, 
They have an immediate answer with James Harden. And then Russell Westbrook, if he can do what he did last night, night in and night out, it looked like Russell Westbrook from his MVP days. Just driving down the lane full force, getting rebounds, playing great defense, hustling night in and night out, which he obviously does already. And considering things didn't work out last year in the Lakers, the last couple of years, I'm sure Russ Westbrook's going to be hungry to prove them wrong in tonight's game. All of the things said about Russ Westbrook over the last couple of years were false. Russell Westbrook still has it, and he's still a great player. Obviously, he was the scapegoat for that Lakers team in the last couple of years, but he wasn't the problem. The talent is still there, and you can still clearly see it. You can still see it. So I think the Clippers will find a way to win tonight's game. They'll be an underdog considering they just played a back-to-back, and they obviously got short-staffed on the bench. But I think the Clippers can win tonight's game. I think they can win tonight's game. I'm going to say they win 112-108, to and I think Paul George has a big game for 27 points, and I think Kawhi Leonard will be back to form. He's not going to have eight points two nights in a row. Kawhi Leonard is going to be better than he was last night. You're not going to have two eight-point nights in a row from Kawhi Leonard. I expect a lot from him tonight. I think it'll be a good game. Watch out for the matchup of LeBron James versus Kawhi Leonard. That would be a fun one to watch. And then, obviously, Russell Westbrook versus his former team. He's going to be hungry to go out there and prove them wrong. So now to close out the episode, I'm going to give a quick rundown of my top 50 players in the NBA heading into the season. This is just going to be a run-through of 1 through 50. Not going to give too many explanations of why I think one guy is where they're at. I didn't really have the time to do so, unfortunately, today. But I'm just going to give a quick rundown of where I think guys are 1 through 50 heading into the year. And then I'll probably adjust it as the season goes on. So number one, I have Giannis Antetokounmpo. Number two, Nikola Jokic. Number three, Joel Embiid. Number four, Steph Curry. Number five, Kevin Durant. Number six, Damian Lillard. Number seven, Kawhi Leonard. Number eight, Luka Doncic, which I know that's low for him. He did miss the playoffs last year. And he's actually missed it two times in the last five seasons. And in those three years he made the playoffs, he was a first-round exit two of those years. And did have one deep run. I do think he's a very good player, especially if you look at his stats. But I do think at the same time he's slightly overrated because of those stats if you look at the box score. He does fill up the stat sheet every night, but I have those seven guys above him. At number nine, I have Anthony Edwards. I have him being an MVP runner-up this season. At number 10, I have Donovan Mitchell. He's my MVP pick for the year. Number 11, Jimmy Butler. Number 12, Paul George. Number 13, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Number 14, Jason Tatum. Number 15, Devin Booker. Number 16, Anthony Davis. Number 17, John Morant. Number 18, LeBron James. Number 19, De'Aaron Fox. Number 20, James Harden. Number 21, Kyle Anthony Towns. Number 22, Jamal Murray. Number 23, Jaron Jackson Jr. Number 24, Drew Holiday. Number 25, Kyrie Irving. Number 26, Bradley Bay. Number 27, Jalen Brown. Number 28, Tyrese Halliburton. Number 29, Laurie Makinen. Very underrated player last season. Number 30, DeMar DeRozan. Number 31, DeMonte Sabonis. At number 32, I have Mikel Bridges. Number 33, Zach Levine. Number 34, Pascal Siakam. Number 35, Zion Williamson. Number 36, Bam Adebayo. Number 37, my boy Russell Westbrook. I still consider him to be a top 50 player in the NBA. Seeing that he was at number 93 in the top 100 players in the NBA, I think it was by ESPN, that was completely disrespectful. He's a lot better than that. He's a lot better than 93. I've rusted 37, and I think where he currently stands, I think he's underrated. With all the hate and harsh criticism sent his way over the last year or two, Russell Westbrook is honestly underrated. He's a lot better than people have given him credit for. Number 38, Tyrese Maxey. Number 39, Brandon Ingram. Number 40, Darius Garland. Number 41, Trey Young which I know that might be low in some people's eyes. I think he's a little bit overrated, but still a good talent, obviously. Number 42, Evan Mobley. Number 43, Chris Middleton. Number 44, Jalen Brunson. Number 45, Rudy Gobert. Number 46, Brooke Lopez. Number 47, Julius Randle. Number 48, Jalen Green, who I think is really going to pop off this season for Houston. Number 49, Josh Giddy, And then number 50, I put Victor Wambanyama. I know he's only a rookie. I know he's only a few days into his NBA career, 
which I had him at 50 before the season began just because I thought he'd be great defensively right away, and I thought he could score the ball, which we've obviously seen him do all of those things already, even though it's only been a few games. My honorable mentions, I have Paulo Boncaro, Andrew Wiggins, Jeremy Grant, Jordan Poole, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. A couple guys that stand out for where I have them at. I know some people are going to have a problem with me having Paul George at 12. Paul George is still one of the best players in the NBA. When he is healthy, he's one of the best two-way players in the league. And he's one of the smoothest players on offense. Doesn't have many flaws in his game. I still consider him a top 12 player in the NBA. Jason Tatum at 14. I know low in a lot of people's eyes. Just like Luka Doncic at 8. And Devin Booker at 15. All three of those guys, I think, are in a similar class. Very good talent. Obviously put up big stats night in and night out for the most part. But I think all three of those guys are a little bit overrated. I know it's going to be a hot take to most people, but I think those three guys are overrated. Doncic, Booker, and Tatum. Three talents that a lot of people probably have in the top 10 in the NBA. I only have Luka in the top 10 in this top 50 before the season began. I have an 8. And as I said, this is where I think guys are ranked top 50 heading into this season, which I know there's going to be a lot of overlap and then obviously a lot of differences between people's top 50s, but that's what sports are all about. At the end of the day, nobody's going to agree with who you have at each one of those positions, 1 through 50, but that's what makes sports great. You're going to have conversations and obviously debates about where guys stand, and obviously people are going to have different eyes and point of views, but that's sports in general. Anyways, I will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a good one, and I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.